I sometimes have found like the most inspiration, not from like the person who is like the fittest in the gym and, you know, you always know that they're going to be amazing and do all this stuff, but it's sometimes like the people who are obviously just getting started and just getting moving and like just watching them get through the workout and like obviously just like working super hard. And to me, that's almost been like the most inspirational because this is obviously not something that they're used to doing. Thank you for listening to the better than yesterday podcast hosted by star strength and conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement, mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Hello, everyone. I have Chris Dick here with me today on our podcast, and uh, Chris has been a member here at Stark for a number of years now. Um, It's been amazing to see him grow as a person and as an athlete. Uh, He's just someone who puts a lot of effort into his movement and mechanics and, and always wants to do better and wants to see you know, everyone around him doing better, which is great. Um, one of the things I remember about Chris when he started, it was not long after he had started, he sent me an email saying that, uh, he really enjoyed being a member at Stark and the community. And it was something that he had lost when he had quit playing basketball, um, in university and just didn't have that, that team and that camaraderie. And he said that, uh, he was able to, to fill that void with uh, with what we have going on here at Stark. So he's been a member for a number of years now, and it's been awesome to have him and his wife, Nicole, around, and even their, their son, Weston. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and hopefully it'll make you a little bit better than yesterday. Hello, everyone. Paul here from Stark, and I am sitting here with Chris Dick, also known as Dick 2.0. He was the the second Dick in the box. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay. So how's your how's your day going so far, Chris? Uh, day's been good. Very productive this morning, and uh, now I'm here doing this, so that's always a good thing. Awesome. Um, yeah, we, we were talking a little bit about how things are going with the whole covid shut down and different different struggles and stuff like that but uh yeah what uh i guess what are the positives you've found with everything that's going on now so one of the big positives for me has been spending more time with family so we have uh my wife and my son is two and a half and um you know when times were quote unquote norm normal you know days are you wake up and it's hectic and you're, everyone's trying to get ready for work and getting West into daycare and then you work all day and then you pick him up at five and he's in bed at seven thirty, and he's usually hungry and tired at the end of the day. So, you know, that, that period of time is a bit hectic too. And then, you know, you're ready for bed and you're like, Oh, I didn't really get to spend a lot of time, you know, with my son. And so that's been a huge positive, just being able to, uh, especially a few weeks ago when we, when our work was kind of shut down for a few weeks, we got to spend a lot of time together, which was a lot of fun and, and, uh, I really enjoyed that. So that was a huge positive for me. Yeah. Spending, spending all day together, kind of a, kind of a nice thing. I know Lex has come with uh, me to work every once in a while and just spends the day here with me when she's running around playing while I'm working and it's worked out pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. So you guys were away on a trip too, and you Mm -hmm. came back and like the world had changed, right? (laughs) Yeah. When we left, it was like, you know, there was a little bit of talk about this virus, but nothing like, you know, I never really gave it too much thought. And so we left and everything was fine for the first week. And then uh, the world just changed all of a sudden and everything hit and we were watching CNN every day. And like, 
then there was talks about like the island shutting down and uh, the possibility of that and uh, and yeah and then the island did shut down and our flights got cancelled and we didn't really have a way off the island um, and so you guys left when <clears throat> we left later in February yeah so there was no like we kept checking you know with the government to see whether there's any like issue like issues with leaving and there was nothing yeah. at the time and so we felt you know, safe and fine to do that. Um, but like I said, in a couple of weeks, everything changed. Yeah. And where were you exactly? So we were in Roatan, Honduras. Okay. Um, which is basically like, if you look at a map, Cancun, you go directly south, you run into Honduras and Roatan is a bay island of Honduras. Okay. And so my in-laws were very lucky. They have a house out there. So yeah. uh, that's where we go. It's beautiful and um, very tropical island. And so... Uh, that's where we were. Okay. And then, so how long were you there in, in total? How many weeks? So I was supposed to be there just over two weeks and, uh, her parents were out there as well. And Nicole and Weston were going to stay for the month with her parents and I was right. going to leave early. So once that all happened, we decided right. that we would change Nicole and Weston's flight to leave with me. Uh, so I think it was on like the 17th of March or something like that. But then on the 16th, the island completely shut down <laughs> closed all the flights basically other than like one or two Canadian, uh, flights, but we were with United. So we were kind of uh, <laughs> stuck at the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, so what was it like? You guys came back, right? Uh, you, you finally got a flight back. Yeah. We were super lucky cause we had tried to get on with WestJet a couple times and, and they were first trying to like charge us an arm and a leg to get home and we couldn't even get those flights. Um, and then uh, my father-in-law was actually leaving with WestJet on that day and, and um, we went to check the flight status and all of a sudden it popped up that there was three f- available tickets. <laughs> and <laughs> so like literally, so Nicole went and, you know, put our information and in, not thinking it would go through because we had tried multiple times. Yeah. And uh, it was at a, the, the proper price, which was, uh, which was nice as well. <laughs> and then uh, it went through and she's like, everyone needs to pack. Like we We're need going to pack. Home. Yeah. So we literally <laughs> like, you know got our stuff luckily we kind of had our bags packed because we thought this might be the case but yeah. still like there was just stuff everywhere so it was just a mad scramble to get yeah. out of there in like five minutes and we oh, made really? it yeah we made it there quick and we had met some other people in that little area where who were also kind of stuck they were from the states and so we had them come over and you know take some food that we had and a lot of the workers who do work around the house we had them come and pick up food because they, they don't have a lot of stuff so yeah uh, basically you had everyone kind of clean everything out and and uh we left we didn't even lock the doors we left the key with with uh, one of the workers and yeah. that without who we trust obviously and so they locked up and we were just gone in a flash so yeah uh we made it we made it there and and uh it was kind of funny because the WestJet uh, flight that showed up was the disney plane oh sweet. And so <laughs> weston was like mickey mouse came to pick us because <laughs> the whole outside is just plastered with disney right so so it was, uh, it was, it was a good laugh for oh, sure. That's awesome. Oh, um, and then when you got back, like, what was it like? Cause you guys were like having to self quarantine for two weeks, right? Yeah. So, so we were really lucky cause originally we were supposed to fly through like Houston and Chicago, which would have been terrible. Yeah. Uh, so luckily this WestJet flight was straight from Roatan to Toronto. So we got right back into Canada, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, we had to overnight there and then the next morning came back to Winnipeg. So, uh, we took a cab home and then, uh, luckily we were, we were really blessed with a lot of friends who offered to bring food. Um, you know, we had a few like 
we'd open the door and they'd stand 20 <laughs> feet away and we'd have a yeah. conversation and stuff like that. So that's kind of how we got our interactions in. And, yeah. um, yeah, we, we made it the two weeks and not that really too much has changed now. We're not still not really supposed to go out and hang out with people, but uh, it's nice to be able to feel free to go out for walks and stuff like that as a family and yeah. do that kind of thing. So, well, weather is yeah. a bit nicer now too than well, it was yeah. Yeah. back in March. <laughs> that's so. for sure. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's kind of talk about, uh, you know, what's, you were talking about work, your day to day life sort of thing. Like how, what, what's going on in your life, Chris? Uh, so like in terms of work, so we have a kitchen cabinet and renovation company called Hawthorne kitchen. So, um, right now everything is looking a little different than it did before we left, obviously. So, um, you know, our showroom, we've kind of closed down and we just have it open for appointments only. Um, so it's a little easier in the fact that like, we don't have, you know, general people walking in and stuff like that. So we can, you know, make it easy to keep distance and all that kind of stuff. Um, so obviously, um, and things have changed how we have to interact with people. Like a big part of my job is to go into people's houses and measure up their space and give them ideas and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, just recently I started doing that a little bit again, obviously with precautions in place and masks and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you always feel funny walking into people's houses with like a mask on, you, know, you feel like you have to explain it, but everyone knows now. So <laughs> everyone's been good that way. And like our workers, we've had them work on kind of a part-time schedule so that certain guys come in certain days and then other guys, you know, other days so that we can kind of keep everyone distanced and do the best we can to make it through this. Yeah. And so this business has been in the family for how many years now? So my great grandpa and my grandpa started in 1946. So whatever the math is on that. (laughs) So yeah, 70 some years that we've been, we've been doing it and uh, I'd be fourth generation and uh, yeah, in North Kildonan. So yeah. And then, and you work with your wife, Nicole as well. Mm -hmm. So how does, how does that work? Uh, I I know not a lot of couples work great (laughs) together. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It, uh, it, it's funny because we literally like sit across from each other. So like, if our computers weren't there, we'd be looking directly <laughs> at each other. So um, no, it, it works. Uh, it works well. Like, there's you know, there's certain strengths that I have that, um, and and a lot of strengths that she has that I don't have. And so we were we generally seem to work well together that way. Yeah. Um, and then we've just kind of made it a, a a thing that when we come home, you know, if we need to vent about something or talk about work for 10 or 15 minutes we do that and then just kind of leave it at that and then get it over with get yeah just yeah. get it over with and not let it you know you don't want to be talking about work all evening and doing that kind of thing so yeah. we just kind of you know talk through the things we need to talk through and then and then the rest of the time is kind of away from work so that's yeah. important for us Oh, definitely. No, having that separation is extremely important, especially if you're both in the same workspace all day sort of thing. And I know like you're going into homes and measuring things up and stuff like that. So yeah, there's definitely some separation. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. So let's, uh, let's talk about like a little bit of your athletic history growing up. So what, uh, what did Chris Jr. look like (laughs) when, uh, when you were starting activity? So when I was young, I like, I just loved sports in general. Um, obviously I started playing basketball at a really young age, but before that probably started playing soccer, um, volleyball, you know, into track and field, all that kind of stuff I really enjoyed doing. Um, but 
as a young, like when I was, you know, five or six, I knew basketball was my favorite. So that's what I probably spent most time doing. Um, at five or six years yeah, of age. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. at a little hoop and just was always playing on it. Me and my cousins were just like constantly playing and, yeah. um, but for me, I always thought it was important to play lots of sports. Whereas nowadays it seems like people think that you can't succeed unless you only play one sport and play it all year round and 24, seven, 300. So I, I, I never really believed in that. And I still don't, I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, playing soccer or like even into high school when it was, you know, volleyball season, then it yeah. was volleyball. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to go to some basketball practice cause I committed to this volleyball team and that's what I was doing. So, um, yeah, I grew up playing basketball, volleyball, mostly, um, played on all the provincial teams and stuff for basketball. Um, and then once I finished high school, uh, we won the provincial championships in my grade 10 and grade 12 year. And then uh, I went on to play basketball at the University of Manitoba for two years. Um, at that point in time, there was a bunch of coaching changes and stuff like that. And um, it was a bit of a um, gong show that way. Yeah. And uh, so I decided I was going to make a change. And so um, in the CIS, you have to take a year off of playing if you're going to switch to a different university to play. Oh, really? Um, so I took the year off, continued to go to school. And then, um, and then I went to the University of British Columbia for my last three years of eligibility. So you have five years to play. So my last three years were there. Um, I got my uh, Bachelor of Commerce while I was there. Um, so I was on a full scholarship, which was great. So I paid for my schooling and all that kind of stuff. And Spent three years there, um, just had an awesome time. Like it was a, my first time kind of being away from home. Um, and uh, yeah, just got to meet a lot of cool people, a lot of teammates I'm still, you know, in touch with, my coaches and all that stuff. And we got a lot of chance to travel around the world to play um, a lot of different countries. And so that was a, a lot of cool experiences that came from that for sure. Yeah, so that's three years of of being away, being at school there. Um when you were when you were away, like, or even that year off, were you someone who spent a lot of time working on weaknesses, or what did uh, how, how did you get as good as you you got with basketball? Was that like coaching as you were growing up? You had great coaches, or was that like your drive? Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of everything. Like, I, I did ha obviously when I was little. It's not the way it is now. Like now, there's you know there's so many different basketball clubs, and you know it seems like everybody's running some sort of basketball club or in any sport really. Yeah. But back then there really was only like one club team in our area of the town. And then there was like one on the other side and all we did was practice and we got to play the other team like once or twice a, a year. That was about it. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was just a lot of time playing on my, like on my driveway, you know, just spending most of my free time doing that. And then, uh, I had a lot of older cousins who also ended up playing in university and stuff. And so often I'd be playing with older people and that, that really helped out as well. Um, my dad spent a lot of time playing. And so when he would go play with his friends, I would always come along and shoot around and, you know, get in on some of those games as well. Um, but, uh, in that, in that year off, um, I did spend, so, Throughout university in the summers, I always did uh, athletes in action sports camps, okay. yeah, mostly in basketball. So every day you're you're with the basketball, teaching kids and doing the drills yourself. Um, so that always was you know very helpful to be able to spend a lot of time during the day just working on basics. as you're showing people the yeah. basics, you're doing it yourself as well. So yeah. so that was always very helpful. But um, 
yeah, just lots of repetitions and lots of shooting on my own. Basketball is a good sport because you can, it's very easy to go do it on your own. Whereas something like volleyball is a little tougher to, yeah. you know, and probably a little more boring to work on that way. So yeah. Hitting the ball against the wall yeah. over and over <laughs> yeah. again, or like at least with, uh, at least with basketball, you know, if, as long as you have a ball and a hoop, you can, you know, practice taking your shots sure. from the three point line or just outside of it or whatever, just yeah. to increase your range. For sure. Um, I think what you had mentioned about playing different sports, uh, do, you, do you think that helped you? I know I read a book called Range, and it was talking about just different different athletes and uh, comparing them. Like certain athletes ended up just playing one sport, like Tiger Woods was literally dragging a golf club around the house at the age of two. And then uh, Roger Federer, his mom was a, a tennis coach, and he never started playing um, competitive tennis until he was like in his, I think it was early to mid twenties, mm-hmm. but he played like soccer. He played basketball. He played a lot of different sports. So he built his engine playing soccer. Like you said, you were, yeah. you know, playing soccer. You spent a lot of time running around, chasing a ball and For stuff sure. like that. Yeah. And just, you know, even accuracy and stuff like that with volleyball and that speed and fast twitch that, uh, that you would get from that. But uh, do you, do you feel like that benefited you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I don't know enough about the physiological, all that kind of stuff, but I know, I guarantee that that all benefited me for sure. Like in my main sport of basketball, but you know, even, even in university, I would often spend a lot of the summers, you know, playing beach volleyball. Um, I would still was doing my basketball camps and stuff, but I wasn't really, you know, in a league playing in the summer. For me, I really needed that break because it, you know, it's, it's a long season in university and, uh, it's a long preseason, a long season, and every year that I was there, we made it to the national championship tournament. So you're playing basically as long as you possibly can. So I, I know for my body, I for sure needed a bit of a break from that. So it was nice to be able to kind of cross train and do beach volleyball, and you're running around in sand and jumping, and like yeah. you know, all that stuff is is very helpful, I think, and it just gives your body a little bit of a break from the stuff that it's doing like every day for hours on end. So. Um, I definitely found physically and also mentally that made a big difference. So a lot of my teammates at in in BC, obviously they lived in British Columbia. So, you know, they were often in, uh, you know, still playing together even in, all through this summer. And by the time the season would start, you could tell mentally some of them were like already kind of tired of yeah. basketball and stuff like that. Whereas that, yeah. for me, when I got back, I was always rejuvenated and kind of ready to get going on it again. So for me, that was, that made a big difference. Did you ever feel like you were getting burnt out at all at any point or did you, did you always have a love for it? Yeah, no, I always had a love for it. Um, physically I've like, so backing up when I was young and like junior high, I, uh, found out I had something called, it's a long name, spondylolisthesis, which is essentially like a crack in your vertebrae. And then one of your vertebrae is actually shifted. So I currently am still like that. And so I've learned to kind of live with it, but there were times, especially in my last year of university where it was acting up a lot and I was in constant pain, taking a lot of medication to deal with the pain and all that kind of stuff. So that was a bit tiring by the end. Um, I was kind of ready for a break from that as well. Um, but in terms of loving it, I always loved playing and, um, and doing that. And I did it for a lot of part of my life and I don't play basketball that much anymore yeah. because I've enjoyed doing other things now because yeah. I spent so much time doing, playing, that. doing that, you know, for whatever, 25 years of my life or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I've really enjoyed 
and it's one of those things too, where I, I, I know I can never get back to the level that I was when I played basketball. So I find that sometimes frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm enjoying doing other things like CrossFit and, uh, you know, playing football in the summer and doing some volleyball in the winter. Um, it's stuff that I can improve on, which for me is more fun at this stage of life. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah, when you've done something competitively for a very long period of time, I've got friends that went to the Olympics for rowing and triathlon and it's like, you know, you're, you're training peak hours and, mm-hmm. and like training and recovery is basically your job. And then now you throw in like being a business owner and a dad and a homeowner and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like there's, there's different stresses now. Um, so when you were, when you were going through, um, like university and, and, competing um in basketball were you doing a lot of strength training and conditioning as well like I know you were talking about your back and stuff like that were you did you have coaches or strength coaches that were helping to kind of like get that in check or yeah a little bit I mean we would always have like a weight training schedule so like depending on like in the preseason we would be expected to be like lifting weights and stuff like that um a certain amount of times a week and then once the season started that would kind of slow down a little bit so your days of a week in the in the actual weightlifting room were a little bit less because the season's going on and you're managing different in injuries and nicks and yeah. everything like that so um and then school obviously is going on as well so um but yeah we were always doing some sort of training work um but yeah it was it was kind of typically more like your traditional kind of weightlifting right like you're doing chest press and you're doing this and that, which is, I mean, it's helpful obviously, but I think now getting into CrossFit and doing stuff like that, you know, that's something I wish I would have maybe been able to do, you know, even when I was younger and kind of in high school and stuff like that, I think would have been a huge help to my just overall like physical ability for sure. For sure. Um, so you did, you did travel a lot playing basketball as well. Um, what's, so what's some of the coolest places you've been to? Um, so every Christmas when I was at, uh, UBC, we went to Hawaii, which was really cool. Um, so we'd spend like just before Christmas there a week or two and we just practiced and stuff like that. So I've got a lot of good memories from there. Um, we went to Taiwan to be in a a tournament there, which was really neat. We were like superstars there. They thought we were like the greatest (laughs) thing ever, which was really fun. Um, we got a lot of opportunity to play against a lot of division one American schools as well, um, which was awesome. So I played a lot of, you know, a number of guys who ended up playing in the NBA and stuff like that. And, uh, so we played at Stanford and stuff like that. And so that was, that was a cool experience. Um, after I played at UBC, I played for the, um, the national developmental team in the world university games. Um, and that was in Serbia. So that was, uh, really a neat kind of a, an experience that we were in Belgrade. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, not a place that you would just choose to go on vacation. So <laughs> yeah. it was, it was a, it was a neat experience to go there. And, um, we've also, I've also been to China, a bunch of different places in China as well. Again, it was a neat experience for sure. Got to see the great wall of China. Um, I'm just trying to think where else I've been to Brazil playing basketball there as well. Um, that was a great experience as well. So, I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but those are kind of the yeah. the main ones that that I uh, got to see. Cool. So when you're playing basketball against people from different countries, like on the other side of the world, is it much different? Like, does the game change much or for, style or yes, any, it, yeah? For sure, it does. Yeah, like especially when you play against like 
the Europeans and stuff like that, they, they definitely do play a different style of basketball. And it's almost one that I would prefer actually. Like they, it's a little different now, but uh, you know, back when I was so 10, 15 years ago, or whatever in North America it was typically like, if you're tall, you're a center and like you just be a center, right? Like you're just underneath the hoop and you don't really develop your whole skill set. Whereas in Europe, even if you're tall or small, like they seem to teach everybody the, you know, the basic skills that you need, like dribbling, passing. So, you know, we, in, when I played in the world university games, the Serbian team was incredible. Like they, their point guard was like six, eight, and then their shooting guard was like six, six. And then their, their small forward was six, nine. And then they had two <laughs> seven footers at the playing the like power forward and center. And they could all run, they could all shoot, like they could all pass, they could all dribble. Yeah. And so like there was just constant movement and, um, very different than what we were used to in North America. Like often the big guy just, you know, the center is just kind of underneath the hoop, very stagnant, not moving around too much, <laughs> setting a few screens where these guys were out on the perimeter and, you yeah. know, just doing a lot of different things. That was really cool to see actually. Yeah. And that would, for guys that are that big, like they would probably start fairly early playing basketball, right? Like just learning your, your limb length mm-hmm. and stuff like that and control, like that would... Probably yeah. take a bit. Especially in some of those countries, like those Eastern Bloc countries where they're like, okay, you're, <laughs> either your parents were good at basketball, so like instantly like, okay, this child is going to play basketball and yeah. like, they get put into like certain basketball academies and uh, often they enter like their pro leagues pretty young as well because most of those European countries have pro leagues. Yeah. So they enter that quite young as well. So uh, yeah, they just they're like born to play basketball and that's what they do. So yeah, it's interesting. So, so anyone that has like kids that want to, you know, play pro ball or like, you know, university or where, wherever, like go somewhere with basketball. Um, what would you recommend to parents? I would just recommend that like when they're young, that they still play, you know, other sports. Cause I, I just think that that's important. I think it's a bit of a myth that like, if you don't spend your whole day playing a certain sport that you're not going to make it, or you're not going to be good enough because you feel like you're falling behind. Um, I think it's really important because so many kids I think get burnt out now from just doing one sport and, and that's it. So I'm a big believer in, you know, allowing the kids to, you know, play sports with their friends, right? Like, you know, growing up, you'd, you have your group of friends and you're, you're from the same neighborhood or whatever, and you're playing soccer and you might play baseball or you might. So I think that's really important to let the kids play and let them do what they, you know, enjoy. Whereas like uh, for some kids, it's like, okay, well I'm, you know, playing basketball or playing volleyball here. And then I'm going to play on this club team for two hours here. And then I got to run over to that club team and play volleyball. You know, it's just like, yeah. you're doing the same thing for so many hours in the day. I think it, it just gets a bit much and, um, kids, I think get worn out that way. Yeah. So you, I guess before even university, were you playing a lot of different sports at the same time? Like, did your, did your parents put you in, you know, soccer and basketball and this and that, or like, I know a lot of times now parents have, you know, three, four different things going on for their kids and they're constantly like just driving around, uh, driving them around, dropping them off sort of thing. And maybe like kids aren't getting to play as much. Yeah. Like for me, I don't think it was like that. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember back to when I was young, like playing soccer, maybe I had something going on with basketball a little bit, but for me, I had three older siblings. So, and most of them played basketball and volleyball and stuff. So it was usually like, 
you know, they're, I was going around to their games and, you know, playing on the side court and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so, um, I just got to spend a lot of time in the gym, which was, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that. And, um, you weren't sitting there looking at your iPad or anything no, like that. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was enjoyable, but no, I, I mostly remember like, especially into high school, like, you know, like I said, when it was volleyball season, I played volleyball when it was basketball season, I did that. Um, you know, uh, junior high, I mean, we did cross country and maybe there was like, you know, that maybe overlapped a little bit, but it never, yeah. I never was like, you know, I'm going to miss this practice to go to this, which is very common now. Like I've done a little bit of coaching in high school and, you know, you're trying to get your team together for practice and this guy's going to, you know, missing practice because he's going there and this guy's missing because he's, and then you only have a couple guys and you can't really do much. Right. So, yeah. uh, just that commitment level is a little different now, it seems like, but Oh, for sure. Um, so let's let's talk about after you know after university ball and stuff like that. What did you do to to keep active and to stay active? So that was a big struggle for me. So once I finished um, university and then played in the university games, then um, I had tried to go you know pursue a, a bit of a pro career in Europe. Um, didn't really work out at the time. So I moved on and moved back to Winnipeg um, and then started working, um, got married shortly after that. Um, we bought a house. And so I spent kind of like a year working and just like renovating and gutting this house. So that's kind of what I was just busy with. And then once that finished, I was like, okay, I got some time on my hands. And But I just felt like a complete lull, like of in terms of being physical, because I've always just worked out so that I could be a better basketball player. Uh, And so now that I wasn't playing basketball, I was really missing like a purpose to um, be active or, you know, do things like that. So uh, it was a big struggle for me. I think I probably uh, I didn't think so. But Nicole, you know, was saying like, you know, I think you might be a little bit depressed, like, you know, you're not really working out, you're not doing this. And I didn't really know. I just had no drive to, to really get, you know, in shape again. Cause I didn't think I had a purpose to do it. But, um, then I, that, you know, a few years after that, I got introduced to Stark and, and it's been like a, just a huge blessing in my life to just come in, you know, whenever I come in to work out and feel motivated and, um, you know, I have a purpose now cause I want to play with my son, you know, and like, um, I've just really enjoyed the, the new, um, challenge, I guess it's brought to my life and, you know, you get to meet a lot of people here and they encourage you. And, um, so it took me a little while to kind of figure out what I wanted to do yeah. um, with like my physical life. Um, but, um, yeah, so that, that's really helped me kind of, so, cause that was a hard part for me to like, you know, you stop playing basketball in your like early to mid twenties when you're really like in your prime. Yeah. And then ever that just kind of abruptly ends and you're like, okay, well what now? Yeah. So, so what was it like starting out? So I know like your wife, Nicole was coming for a while before you had started and then, um, and then you came in, uh, so I guess you didn't have as much of a background in like some of the Olympic lifts and stuff like that, that we're doing here. I don't know. Did you use kettlebells and stuff like that a lot with your strength training previous to here? No, you know what? No, I, I often, I did a little bit of Olympic lifting, but very yeah. light. I was always very concerned about my back. Yeah. And so I, I tried to avoid that as much as I could, even right. though like now I've had found that like once I was getting into it, it actually helped me a lot doing it properly. Um, so yeah, I didn't have a ton of background in that, but 
Um, but yeah, most of the stuff we had done was like your traditional, like dumbbell work, right. Or bench press and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So then what was the, I guess, what was the learning curve? Like, were you, did it take a while for you to actually enjoy the training or did you like come in and you're like, Hey, this is, this is awesome. I need to be doing this. I think that happened pretty quickly. So I joined base camp because one of my friends was his wife basically forced, for, forced him to join the base camp. And so yeah. I said I would come with him to kind of support him and yeah. wasn't really expecting to, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect out of it. And yeah. kind of for my first class or two, I just really started I enjoyed the environment. Uh, obviously you were running the base camp. And so I, I really enjoyed your coaching and all that kind of stuff and realized that this is something that, you know, can get me in good shape and challenge me. And, um, you could tell that it was like a good community too, um, which is a big thing, um, that I've come to realize now, yeah. uh, the community portion of it is, is really important as well. I know you had mentioned, uh, it was in an email, uh, well, years ago that you were saying that, uh, you kind of missed that with the, with basketball because you're part of a team there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I guess just going into a, a normal gym wasn't the same, but you know, coming to Stark, you, it, it is like a team. You're, you're doing the workout on your own. You might do, you know, a, a partner workout every once in a while sort of thing, but yeah. everyone wants you to see you successful and everyone wants you to see you do well. And coaches want to, you know, always want to help and get you moving better. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I had kind of the traditional gym membership for a while and just like yeah. was never using it and just kind of throwing my money away. And, um, but yeah, I just, I really disliked going there by myself and like putting headphones on and like trying to get a workout in and, um, you know, you have something in mind and then there's a million people there and you can't get on anything that you want that you thought you wanted to do. And, and like my idea of working out was like the very traditional stuff, right? Like, again, you're, you're used to doing bench press and you're used to doing, you know, bicep curls and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was just boring to me, you know, and, and didn't seem very functional and, uh, so that was big coming to Stark. Just like you said, even though you're still working individually most of the time, you're still at classes with similar people all the time and yeah. they get to know what you can do and they push you and encourage you and the coaches get to know you and, uh, and do the same. So it, it feels like you're a part of a team, even though you're still doing your own workout kind of thing, but yeah. And, and you stuck with us after base camp and, and your friend that you joined with <laughs> did not, but maybe one day he'll be yeah, back. Yeah, maybe. maybe. We'll I know keep he, bugging him. he still, still, still likes some of our posts oh, on Instagram sure, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've done a couple of comp, uh, competitions now in, mm-hmm. in CrossFit as well. So like what, uh, how, how did those feel? You know what? They were good. I think I definitely have realized that I, I much more enjoy the team competitions. Yeah. Uh, so I've done like, I think one or two indi- individual and then a couple team. And I definitely yeah. enjoy the team more, the team aspect of it more. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's just a lot more fun and um, just more enjoyable. I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I found. But no, they've, they've, they've definitely been enjoyable. I have to be careful which competitions I go to because like some, some of them you're doing as much work in a day or two as I'm used to doing in like a week or two. So it's, yeah. uh, it's definitely, uh, can be a bit stressful on the body and stuff like that. But, yeah. uh, no, I've enjoyed, it's a, it's a, it's a, a neat challenge to work towards for sure. Yeah. You no, know, signing up for a comp and not knowing exactly what the movements are going to be, you know, 
two, three, four months out sort of thing is, uh, can be challenging, but you're someone who, who always, you know, wants to move well, you work on good mechanics and technique and, uh, you know, you're not someone to sacrifice form. So anytime we've been in class or whatever, I know if you're, you're starting to feel your back or whatever, you're just like, "Ah, I'm going to go lighter now or whatever, which is awesome. And you can do that in a class competition, not so much, (laughs) but I'm just going to go lighter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take some weight off. Um, so did you feel pressure? I know sometimes people say they feel a lot of pressure when they do it with a teammate or, um, you know, whether it's a, I know you did a team of four. I don't know if that was last year or two years ago. That's been a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But like, did you feel a lot of pressure or was it more like, I'm just here to have fun and I'm going to do the best I can? I think it's a, it's kind of a good pressure because you feel a little bit more accountable, like, like coming up to the competition. Like you don't, you don't want to just be like skipping workouts because you just either don't want to come or whatever. Like yeah. it's, it's uh, you, you feel a little bit more accountable to make sure that you're kind of in the best shape that you can be, yeah. uh, given all of life circumstances and stuff. But, yeah. uh, no, so I don't feel like a ton of pressure that way. Like it's, it's kind of a good pressure to yeah. like motivate you to get in the gym and do the work that you need to do and try to work on some weaknesses cause you know, they might show up. So, yeah. <laughs> So just trying to do your best for so that you don't, you know, let your partner down, obviously. Yeah. So you're not the, the anchor. Yeah, no. that's right. Um, so with, with your training, like you're usually in here at, at 6 a.m. Well, when we were having regular yeah. classes, now we're doing Zoom classes, but that'll change. Um, so what, uh, I guess, what would you say is, is the most important thing to be able to come consistently at, at 6 a.m.? Uh, the biggest thing is just like getting to bed on time for sure. <laughs> uh, like if I, if I find like it's getting to like closer to 11 or something like that, I, I really have a hard time, you know, trying to get up at, uh, you know, quarter after five or whatever it is to get here by six. So, uh, if I can get to bed by like, you know, 10 o'clock or something, then, then I'm usually fine. Um, it's also getting into a bit of a rhythm too. It's hard to like, you know, come for 6am on Monday and then like, go to a different time on Tuesday yeah. and then like try to get, you know, get back into it. It, I find it a lot easier if I just like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to get there, you know, three times this week at 6am and then, uh, try to get a Saturday, uh, workout in or whatever. So just to kind of round out the week. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, sleep is the, the biggest thing for sure. Yeah. Especially because I'm not like typically a morning person. So no. I've kind of had to force myself to, uh, change a little bit that way. So I guess yeah. having a kid forces that too, but, yeah. uh, but no, it's, it's, it is nice to like get here, you know, get it, you know, by seven 30, you're, you're out of here and you're, you've got your workout done and you're feeling good. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you get a little sleepy by two 30 in the afternoon, but, uh, it's, uh, no, it's good. Yeah. Just go lay under your desk for That's a little right, bit. Yeah. So are you someone who like gets all your stuff ready the night before? Are you that organized or is it like alarm goes off at five fifteen, you hit the snooze button, you get up and it's just like mad dash yeah. to get everything ready? No, I have a pretty good routine. Like I normally like, you know, try to lay out all my clothes and stuff like that. Um, you know, have everything ready in my bag so I don't need to like Cause that you just forget stuff and there's yep. nothing worse than like forgetting your clean underwear afterwards. Yeah. You can't hear showering and, but yeah. uh, no, like just getting everything. Like if I'm going to have a protein shake afterwards, like getting everything in my containers and yeah. filling up my bottle of ice so that all I have to do is fill it up with water or whatever. And yeah, um, yeah just getting everything ready. So like literally all I have to do is wake up, you know, throw my stuff on and have a banana and then head out the door kind of thing. Awesome. 
Yeah, it's extremely important if you're if you're trying to like run around and get stuff done in the morning. It's just stressful if it's all sitting there ready waiting. Like all you got to do is. And I would is... forget half the stuff too. Like if you don't <laughs> pack your bag in the, day, yeah. the day before, I'd forget everything for sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, I guess I'll ask you a few questions to to kind of finish up. Sure. Uh, first question would be: What would you recommend to someone who is just maybe either you know getting off the couch or already active and wanting to to get into some sort of functional training like like CrossFit? I would say the biggest thing is just to like just come here and get started. Um, that's one of the the coolest things of, uh, CrossFit. And I mean, uh, I've only ever been at Stark. So, um, just seeing like the different people that, that are here working out, like I sometimes have found like the most inspiration, not from like the person who is like the fittest in the gym. And, you know, you always know that they're going to be amazing and do all this stuff, but it's sometimes like the people who are obviously just getting started and just getting moving and like just watching them get through the workout and like, obviously just like working super hard. And to me, that's almost been like the most inspirational because this is obviously not something that they're used to doing. And so they're out of their comfort zone. They're, uh, you know, working their butts off. And, and so it's, it's cool to see, cause there's just a, you don't have to be intimidated to come, um, to come here because there's, you know, you'll find yourself in someone else here as well. Right. Like there's, yeah, there's some sure. people who are extremely fit and there's some people who are just getting started and there's everything in between. So, um, you don't need to feel, um, intimidated or anything like that. Like you just come and start and the coaches are really good at helping you figure out, you know, if you can't do this, then do that, you know, and, uh, they figure out different ways and modifications for everybody. Yep. Cause I get that comment all the time. Like they're like, Oh, I can never do CrossFit or I could never do this. Like, and I said, well, there's people that are older than you. There's people, uh, you know, that are more out of shape that, that are doing CrossFit and yep. like getting into good shape and there's modifications for everybody. So, um, really anybody can do it. No, totally agree with you, Chris. <laughs> um, so next question. So you've got, you've got your son, Weston. I know he's probably a little, little young now. He's like two and a half for, uh, doing strength training, but if he was wanting to, you know, play basketball or soccer, or a certain sport, would you either have him doing some form of CrossFit or would you like, you know, help to, to teach him some of this stuff, some of this functional fitness as you're, as he's grown up? For sure. I think it would be like, for me, like I wouldn't really, you know, want him lifting like super heavy weights and stuff as like you not as right as off young, the bat. Right? No, yeah, like, no, for sure. But you know what? I I think it would be really good for him to kind of like just work on his overall fitness and his functional fitness, so that you know whether it's his balance or you know any his explosiveness, all that kind of stuff can help him in any other sport that he might want. So it's just a good basis, and it's something I wish I could have had when I was younger. I think it would have. Um, would have helped me a lot for sure. Yeah. And uh, Weston loves coming here anyways. So like when we were coming and working out and stuff, like often on a Saturday, like I would come at 8.30 or Nicole would come at 8.30 and then and then we'd bring Weston along and kind of do the switch and stuff yeah. like that. So he loves coming and like hopping on the rower and or like, you know, pretending to be on the bike or hanging yeah. from the chin-up <laughs> bars and doing pull-ups and stuff like that. So he, uh, he definitely loves being here and... Um, so we'll definitely encourage it for sure. Oh, 
That's cool. It's a, it's a good environment to, to have kids in. I think like my daughter, Alexa loves coming here and loves doing toes to bar. She's watching people do burpees and she'll just start dropping down doing burpees yeah. beside them and stuff like that. Um, it's bro- so good for them just to see people, other people like you yeah. know, be, being fit and moving and yeah. doing, doing stuff like that. It's really important. Totally. And especially seeing both you and Nicole doing it. I think that's huge because that's something that, you know, hopefully he'll grow up you know, wanting to do this stuff with mm-hmm. you guys. And For you sure. know, we're hoping Lex is going to want to do the same thing. Um, and last question, I guess, what is your favorite thing about, you know, coming into train and it doesn't have to be, you know, the 6am thing. It could be, <laughs> you know, what, what do you get out of it? What is your, the, your favorite thing when you come in or when you leave any of those? Um, it, I don't, there's a few like you know obviously the, just that feeling of when you can feel yourself like improving or getting more fit and you're like um, I don't know after a workout you have that kind of like tight feeling that is you're like okay I, I really did something this morning and that I, jacked feeling yeah exactly <laughs> jacked feeling yeah okay. um, so there's the, there's that portion of it but then uh, to me it's also kind of the the community thing like it's it's great coming in here and like seeing friends and seeing people that you work out with all the time and kind of, uh, you know, you chat with them and you catch up on life and, you know, you do all that. So you have that kind of sense of camaraderie and, um, kind of like teammates obviously. And, um, so, you know, obviously I like the physical aspect of the working out and how that makes you feel, but almost equally as equally, I like the, um, just the team atmosphere and the, the community that has been built here. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking some time to come down here today and uh, and talk to everyone about kind of, you know, your experiences in, in basketball and even training here at Stark. Awesome. Yeah. No, thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. So um, where where can people find Hawthorne Kitchens? Uh, obviously our website. So yeah. we're at HawthorneKitchensCanada.com uh, and then we're on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook as well. So. Yeah, awesome. And you guys just got on Instagram, what, like a year ago or so? Yeah, so, we were a little late to the party, so. Yeah, that's all right. It's yeah. all right. You got there. That's yeah. the main thing. And yeah, you always got some awesome stuff that you're posting there. So, um, yeah, no. If you guys want to give them a follow, what is it on Instagram? Uh, it is. Uh, I think if you just <laughs> Google check. Hawthorne, or if you just uh, put in Hawthorne Kitchens, it'll show up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thanks for for coming down, Chris. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you very much for listening. And hopefully this podcast will give you some information and uh, make you a little bit better than yesterday. Thank you for making the time to listen to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Stark Strength and Conditioning. If you liked our show, please head over to the iTunes store and give us a rating. If you have any questions or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear us cover or people you think should be on this show, please let us know so we can make it happen. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that this podcast makes you better than yesterday.